Are you satisfied with your understanding of sustainability? If not, like me, imagine a journey together, a pluralistic one, with innovators, startup, academia, NGO, all together looking for solution to the greatest challenge of our time. I'm Samuele Tini, and this is the Sustainability Journey. So welcome to another episode. And today, I don't know where to start because I have a scientist, I have somebody who has worked in consultancy and who is now at the forefront of the work with a not-for-profit in plastic and work in, in waste management. So I'm thrilled to have to the podcast the CEO and president of Delterra, Shannon Bouton. Shannon, pleasure to be here. It's, a, it's an honor for me. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really pleased to be with you today. Shannon, you have an impressive CV. Uh, you have a thorough knowledge and you are a change maker and a recognized expert in this, in this world. But uh, the usual question for our guest, who is Shannon? Tell us about your sustainability journey. I have probably been an environmentalist my whole life, even as, as a kid. It was one of my core areas of passion. And that led me to then become a conservation biologist. So I have a PhD from the University of Michigan, and I worked on stress in birds <laughs> for my PhD. And then uh, I took the unusual next step of then choosing to apply to uh, McKinsey and Company. And I did it because as I looked around at the opportunities out there, I, I knew that I wanted to be in the conservation nonprofit world, but they were increasingly being run by people with, that had a business background. And so I thought I would be a better rounded applicant to these programs if I had the equivalent of a, an MBA, which I had no interest in actually getting an MBA, but you know, a couple of years at McKinsey seemed like a good way to kind of get that pedigree. And so I applied and soon after I arrived at McKinsey, they published the um, very first greenhouse gas cost curves, which was really a game changer in the sustainability space and, and sort of prioritized different greenhouse gas emissions reduction opportunities by price and quantity. And so that led us to start the sustainability practice. And um, we were basically trying to figure out how do we serve clients on this new carbon market using what we've learned about the abatement costs. And that just evolved over time into what is today the sustainability practice at McKinsey. So after about 13 years and playing a bunch of different roles in that space from, you know, building different service lines and sustainable transportation, energy efficiency in buildings, emissions reduction, I then started to look around for the next thing. And McKinsey was beginning to consider launching a private corporate foundation, which was McKinsey.org. So I proposed a, a bunch of sustainability topics that we could do in McKinsey.org and ultimately led the development of what is today the Rethinking Recycling program. We then got to the point where we were beginning to be scalable enough that it was interesting. There was more likelihood that we were going to scale better if we stepped out of a private corporate foundation. And so we spun out into an independent charitable foundation, which is Delterra. And that's where I am today. The path is rather unusual, I'd say, but I think your contribution, I mean, especially to the business world and to MBA people, <laughs> it was really interesting also to get the view, I mean, from your practitioner and sustainability expert. And you really mentioned, you know, Delterra, the work you are doing there, and especially the problem. The problem to be solved is recycling and waste. And we can say it's, it's becoming an increasingly pressing problem for our planet. So how 
does Delterra approach the issue? What is your mission, the vision? Are you are tackling these challenges in practice? Just to put that a bit in context, you know, the world is producing 5.5 million tons of solid waste every day. And that's a figure that's increased 10 times over the last century and is still growing rapidly. So the result is that many countries are really struggling with the amount of waste that they're having. They're literally drowning in their own waste. Landfills are overflowing. Methane emissions are uh, from organic waste are dangerously accelerating climate change. And every year, 11 million tons of plastic enter the world's oceans. And that's largely from emerging economies where over 2 billion people have no waste or access to waste management, which in turn leads not only to those that pollution of the environment, but also to public health challenges and social inclusion challenges. So our mission at Delterra is to redesign human systems for the good of people and the planet by developing innovative and scalable solutions. And we draw on our McKinsey roots um, to combine rigorous problem solving with uh, experimentation and on the ground experience. So the way that we have tackled this is so basically, I mean, if you think about it, I, waste is a fantastic human system to start with. Right. It's not rocket science. We know what needs to happen here. But somebody needs to be orchestrating that system to make it work because it's just not functioning in many places. We basically we work across the entire value chain a little bit as though you were thinking about acupuncture. We find solutions to the problems that are there to try and shift that entire system. So we start with, by the work that we do with corporate players to help them to redesign their plastic packaging and reduce the environmental footprint and increase the recyclability of that material before it even gets into the waste stream. We also work with communities to build self-sustaining recycling programs that are community owned and led. And that means everything from educating households on how to separate their waste and why to separate their waste all the way through to making sure that that waste stays separate in the efficiency of the of the process of the collection and sorting process and then building markets for reliable offtake of that waste so that those systems are self-sustaining over time economically so we have a very much a sort of both a community and a business lens to the way that we build this these systems because we want to make sure that they are sustainable in the long term and don't have to rely on foundation funding or philanthropic funding um, over the long term. So that's kind of our approach is to kind of work across that entire system to fix all of those problems. And they're really crucial. You know, I was speaking the other day with a lot of people and companies here in Kenya, especially how crucial is packaging, especially for companies, especially also in, in this area and part of the world. And I'm sure talking about practical impact. The people that are listening to us usually is one of the questions that the more they like is about the impact story from your project. For example, if you can share some that you have and how Delterra, for example, I was when we discussed and worked, uh, for example, you're tackling marine and plastic pollution and making an impact is such a crucial problem that we are having right now, especially thinking about the marine and the oceans. It's terrifying what's happening in the ocean with plastic. But the reality is that 80% of all of that plastic comes from land. So really, you have to solve the problem on land if you're going to solve the, the challenge overall. And 36% of all plastic produced is used in packaging, including that single-use type plastic uh, that's, that's in food and beverage containers and stuff like that, and even holding them together. And 85% of that ends up either in landfill or in the environment, right? So what we're trying to do is solve for that, that challenge. Today, we're working in Indonesia, Argentina, and Brazil. 
And when we think about trying to figure out recapturing that material, material like plastic out of residential and business waste streams, that means teaching people to really separate their waste appropriately to reduce the contamination of the waste so that it can be recycled. So some examples of uh, impact that we've had in our programs that have been exciting is just even starting with that behavior change piece. One of the things that we do is we go in and try and understand what will drive a change in people's behavior. And what we find is that that's very culturally unique. So our methodology is about quickly coming to the message that resonates with the community, not about cut, taking a cut and paste message from one community to the next. So for example, in Indonesia, which is a community that is very driven by the Hindu religion, and they have both religious and political leaders, we send a letter to residents from each of those leaders and, you know, within the next day, we've got 60% participation, not 100% accurate, but very, very high participation rates because people are very much driven by that. In Argentina, for example, where we worked in an informal sector, or sorry, an informal settlement, a slum in the center of Buenos Aires, what drives people is really the fact that their children aren't then playing in the waste in the street because they don't differentiate between recycling and waste management. So we provide waste management for them that embeds recycling into that but it may, means a healthier environment for their children. In another city that we work for it, with in Argentina, Oliveria, they see themselves as a very modern industrial city. So for them, having a efficient waste management system that includes recycling is about being a modern and clean city. So we tap into that type of messaging to make that work. So it's pretty exciting to see all of the different cultural differences in the way that we think through this. Another piece of what we've been working on in Argentina is that when the team was out visiting these waste cooperatives that have big sorting centers that collect a bunch of waste, separate it out, and then sell it off to the, to the aggregators, they saw the cooperative workers sending large amounts of flexible plastic waste to the dump instead of to the recyclers. And so they worked on the efficiency of sorting and adding lines to separate out that particular material found markets for them in the with the local recyclers and we are now diverting over 3000 tons a year soon to be more because as we add on more sorting centers more cooperatives but 3000 tons a year of plastic of that small format difficult to recycle plastic is now being recycled instead of being sent to the dump in Argentina so what's important is that these are just pieces of the puzzle, right? What we're doing is working to put all of those pieces together. But those are some of the exciting things that are happening right now uh, at Delterra. And you have mentioned before, rethink recycling. At the beginning, the work that you are doing with Delterra and especially even with McKinsey.org, where it all started. So I'm sure now people have listened to the different work and the impact stories, and they want to know, especially our business audience, some tips. So how we can, how we can really rethink recycling, how we can also embed it in our corporation, in our work and in our lives. Absolutely. Well, so I think, you know, obviously recycling, it, it, we don't want to put all of the onus on the consumer, but it does start if we're going to be successful with people in their homes, changing their behavior. So in many countries, the recycling systems are already there in the municipal systems. So the first thing for a consumer to do is to get to know their local re recycling system and to understand what they should be putting in their recycling bin and what they should not be putting in their recycling bin. You see a lot of what we call hopeful recyclers who put a bunch of material into their bins, even though it's clean and dry, they don't know that it can't be recycled. And that actually then gums up the recycling systems and makes it more expensive for the muni municipalities to provide that service. 
So I think we can all become better educated about what we're putting in our recycling bins. We also should be very conscious about our consumption and making our money count, so sort of speak to the corporate players. So I would say choose products with less or no packaging. Look for post-consumer recycled packaging. You know, flip over your shampoo bottle and try and figure out, is this recyclable in my local system? And even better, is it made from recycled material? And think about the packaging as much as you do the ingredients on your food as you're buying. And that will continue to influence corporate players because they see people becoming more and more conscious, better educated about this. So that is the beginning of making sure that recycling happens well. And then for the corporate players, you know, you really have to be designing products that are recyclable locally in local recycling systems, right? So there's a lot of talk these days about technically recyclable and actually recycled, right? And you see a lot of activity around this with regulation, for example, in California is making huge strides in this. But we really need to rely on corporate players and in particular consumer packaged goods players to simplify packaging so that it doesn't create so much mystery about whether things can be recycled or not. And then use materials that have high recycling value locally so that they do actually get pulled out of the waste stream and put back into productive use. It, that will also help make it easier for consumers to tell what is recyclable versus what is not, right? And then we also need corporate players to be thinking about investing in the overall ecosystem, including the infrastructure of recycling, um, especially in the global south where that doesn't exist today. And obviously, CPG and retail companies, they cannot pay for all of that infrastructure, but they can create and support lighthouse projects that demonstrate what works uh, and, and how to scale that type of infrastructure. And then also to invest beyond just that individual small pilot, because what we actually need to know is we have lots of pilots of what works. What we need to figure out is how to scale. And a lot of times what you get is players are really interested to invest in that innovative little pilot, but then they don't continue the investment as you start to show how it scales. And that scaling part is the really hard part. We can all make something small work, but it's making it work at scale, it's a big deal. And then the final one is the corporate players are making amazing and really progressive commitments to recyclability of their material, supporting the recycling of it, and then putting embedding that recycling content, recycled content back into their materials. And we'd love them to continue on those commitments to push really hard on actually achieving them and to continue to set higher and higher goals alongside the, the work that they're doing already. And thank you so much with the wonderful tips, which I think they are food for thoughts. And I was taking notes because it's such important also for our context here, which is still at the beginning of the infancy, but is really important. And the plastic menace is still there. We see it every day with plastic burning, especially in our estates. So I want to take a step back. You have had a wonderful career and you have said, I mean, more than a decade in McKinsey, uh, creating the sustainability practice. So I want to ask, a question that expand a bit. We know that the big consultancy have a, a huge role, especially in corporate decision and work. So in your opinion, what is their role in fostering sustainability? How they can make meaningful impact in this area? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I was thinking about it a lot this morning. I think there are two ways in which consultancies play an important role. So one of them is that it's important that they educate 
all of their consultants about sustainability and sustainability opportunities in the same way that we make sure that consultants are up on how to drive a PL and how to think about market dynamics, et cetera. Right. Because what that where consultants work is they are they consult right with and they become the trusted advisor of a lot of big companies. And what you want them to be able to do is pick out here's a sustainability opportunity along with here's a growth opportunity or here is a cost cutting opportunity. Right. And have those conversations with their clients so that they can actually help to serve clients on that. Why they bring value to uh, over and above what those corporations have is that we a consultancy uh, like a McKinsey or a Bain or a BCG has the ability to pull from a wide variety of experts to bring them into one company's challenges. It's not about excess capacity. It's about shifting the thinking of the company because you're bringing different um, mindsets of really bright people to solving a challenge that a company is struggling with. So it's important that consultants put that sustainability lens on the way that they're consulting and counseling companies as, along with all of the other things that they're thinking through with them. The other thing that consultancies have is because they work across so many different industries, they have an ability to synthesize the learnings from those multiple industries to provide system level insights and to identify gaps in different places that can really shift that system. You know, McKinsey has the McKinsey Global Institute, but also puts out a whole bunch of publications aimed at those sorts of things of, of finding those insights, sharing those insights to, that will then tip the balance. And I think, you know, consultancies have a responsibility to make sure that they are taking that step back from the con consulting that they're doing with individual clients to actually synthesize that and drive that big system level thinking as well. And I think that's one of the places where they can add a lot of meaningful value. I totally agree with you, especially with the scale and the work and, and the wide and span that they are, they reach that they have, of course, they have. And it was, a I mean, a really insightful episode, but, you know, we are, we are trying to go and I'm sure we'll go again for another one to see how Delterra will be growing, you know, in the next years. And we usually conclude asking our guests a message, a message that you like to share with our listeners and a sort of call for action to the people that they are listening to us and they are listening to this journey. My message is around the fact that we cannot solve this waste challenge with only one tool, recycling. We have to be doing the reducing, the reusing, the rethinking of the design and everything. But in addition to thinking about that, which I think everyone needs to be doing, there's been a sort of a lot of recycling bashing happening in the news recently. And a lot of people are feeling disillusioned by the fact that they're hearing that some material that they're putting into their bins isn't getting recycled or maybe municipal recycling systems aren't working. And I think my message to everyone today as individuals is please do not give up on recycling. It is, I agree, only one piece of the puzzle and many cities are not yet getting it right. But changing the behavior is of people in the community is a really tough thing to do. So once you start recycling, please continue the recycling process in an educated fashion, as we talked about earlier, because that behavior change will really change the amount of material eventually as we get the systems up and running, um, how much of the material is being put back into productive use. Thank you so much, Shannon, for this wonderful insight and for this wonderful episode. It's been a pleasure and an honor hosting you. Thank you so much, Shannon. Thank you. It's been a pleasure to speak with you. Are you satisfied after this wonderful episode? Let's continue together our sustainability journey.